Hello everyone, I'm Earl Chanel and welcome to Success Shorts. Today we're joined by my good friend, fellow cyclist and president and CEO of Robert Craig Winery, Elton Sloan. Elton and I dig into effective communication, which on the surface is pretty straightforward. But the conversation does take some nuanced twists and turns along the way and it even uncovers a pretty provocative stream of thought. That said, the tie between effective communication and success is undeniable. And it's also a lot of fun to look at it through the lens of the wine business. So I hope you enjoy my chat with Elton and be sure to check out Robert Craig Winery because they truly make some wonderful and very memorable Cabernets. All right, that's enough from me. Let's go. Man, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I know with everything going on from COVID to the wildfires that are currently hitting the Bay Area in California, things are really demanding of your time. So I just want to thank you for, for coming on. Errol, I absolutely am thrilled to be on this podcast. I've listened to your stuff for years now. And, and so this is just uh, great to be on and great to speak to you. It's a uh, it's really important to maintain our friendship and connections while everybody is so distant, I think, right now in the world. I couldn't agree with you more, man. Definitely. And I appreciate the kind words. But before we kind of dig into the meat of what we're going to be talking about today, I want to give people a chance to kind of get to know you. And the first step in that is, you know, given everything that you've had to navigate recently, which is quite a lot, you know, what are some things that you've learned about yourself during this time? Well, I've certainly learned in the wine business as a farmer, it's always been tough. And then you throw in a worldwide pandemic and a recession, the fires, the fact that, you know, 65% of our annual production went to restaurants and now there, there are no more restaurants. I mean, it has been a tough time. And what you learn about yourself is that you can really take on a lot more than you ever thought you could. I've learned that people, myself included, and all my employees, uh, my family, we're all very resilient. That has been the positive, as I think if we can get through 2020, pretty much we can get through anything. Sure, starting to look that way. The resilience is definitely a key component to that. But I think also just you and your community there. And I know that you are all very tight-knit on the mountain, so I'm sure that there's a lot of positivity that you guys are exchanging with each other to help everyone kind of like lift all ships even during this tough time. So those are good things to recognize. And hopefully, you know, after this year, there's going to be a little bit of smoother sailing. Can't count on it, but we can hope. But on a little bit of a lighter note, I want the listeners to really kind of have some fun getting to know you. So we're going to take just a couple minutes and play Two Truths and a Lie. Are you ready for that? Oh, as long as I get to lie, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, all right, let's hear him. I was a Category 2 bike racer for uh, many years before going to college, and my first inspiration in racing was the movie Breaking Away, uh, way back in the day, set in Bloomington, Indiana, where I went to school and eventually, uh, like the movie, raced in Little 500 Bike Race, and that just really jump-started my whole love of cycling. Number two is after time at Indiana University and studying in economics and philosophy, uh, I was accepted into Harvard Law School, and that really was one of the foundations of my understanding, uh, certainly the legal environment surrounding the wine business that I find myself in today. And number three, 
I am a giant whiskey aficionado, and I love whiskeys from all over the world. You know, wine is the gateway drug, I think, for all the whiskeys that I've had in the world. Man, oh man, uh, there's nothing, especially during the wildfires and the pandemic, I would uh, probably be behind a dumpster smoking meth at 7-Eleven or something. But uh, those are the two truths and a lie. <laughs> that last one took a really dark turn. Um, so I know that the first one's true. And I don't believe that Harvard was on your LinkedIn page. So I'm going to say that that's the one I'm leaning towards for the lie. And I could see the wine being a gateway to whiskey. I can definitely buy into that. So I'm going to say that Harvard's the lie. You have nailed me. No Harvard. My education was just a BA from Indiana University in philosophy and economics. Hey, those are two fields. That little interdisciplinary thought going on between two very different things is, is quite valuable. And I'm sure that that's led to a lot of what you've experienced as far as being able to act nimbly and to think critically. That philosophy background probably came in handy for that. So, you know, kind of starting to dig in when I reached out to you and wanted to reconnect, we had a chat about what we were going to be talking about today. And it's going to be around this topic of effective communication that I already said once, but I can't stress enough is really so very important actually taking the time to think about our thoughts and organizing them so that they can actually form and create a message that can compel action is so important. And if you just think about like the different ways that we've experienced communication during this time of COVID, of social unrest, we've experienced very good communication and we've experienced really shitty communication. So long story short, when you said that you wanted to dig into this concept of effective communication. Where did that come from early on and how did you really foster it to be such a centerpiece of your success? Well, I think it started uh, for me in junior high school and high school where I had these tremendous teachers, uh, you know, in the advanced placement English language programs in Columbus, Indiana. So Indiana is not known very much for their public education, certainly, but Columbus where I grew up is the home of Cummins Engine Company, a Fortune 100 company in the world. And uh, J.I. Miller put tons of money into the local school system. So I got a world-class education there. But, you know, to me, it's communication sounds so nebulous. It sounds so far-reaching. And just uh, how could somebody point to that as a, a pathway to success? But I realize if you're not able to clearly communicate what you want to do, in particular with your brand, with our team at Robert Craig Winery, to other people, there's a lot more communication going on in the world with uh, smartphones, with texting, with you know all the apps, whether it's TikTok or YouTube. There's so much communicating going on, but I think how that's structured, we're losing the ability to even speak our own language, and to me. Uh, it's been critical in my success, certainly, going forward is to be able to communicate a vision effectively, have people follow that path. And, you know, I think about all my English teachers back in the day when we used the TRIT, T-R-I-T method of writing, where you would, uh, in the, every paragraph, there's a thesis, there's a restrictor clause, there are illustrators, and there's a, a restatement of the thesis. And when you're used to writing like that, you begin to speak like that. And you get people to buy into what you're doing. That's certainly been my experience 
in academics, but then professionally as well, you know, that structure is so important. I, I think people forget that Jackson Pollock was a tremendous realist landscape painter before he ever started splashing paint on a canvas. And so people that don't understand think that he's just somebody painting abstracts. They, they have to realize that he had, he knew the convention before he branched out into uh, abstract painting. He is aware of what, of the code uh, or of the tradition that he's breaking down and alluding to in his paintings. And it's the same, you know, people think I'm a great communicator. And I often think, are you? If you don't have a command of the English language, then there's no way for you to be an effective communicator, even in snippets of a sentence. You actually raise a really interesting point there. So one of the things that I've seen that has been brought up with some of the discussions around the social conformity and maybe a little bit around, you know, the whiteness of the way people learn is that the construct of grammar and the way that we expect people to communicate is the slight against different peoples. However, the point that you make, I, I feel is so important to grasp that if we don't agree on a way to effectively communicate, or we don't understand a way to effectively communicate and structure our thoughts and our words so that we can convey our message. If we take that away, we're doing such a disservice, not only to ourselves and our ability to achieve what we want, but also to lifting up others. Like what you just said there, I, the trip method or all of these other things that do surround proper grammar and the way we speak and communicate. They're really there for a very specific reason. It's not to hold anyone back. It's not to cause angst when thinking about how we communicate. It's simply there to give us a foundation that we can then build off of to be better at what we do. And I really hope that if there are people who are listening who have that adverse mindset, that they start to think about that, that this isn't a construct to repress. It's a construct to actually empower so I appreciate you sharing that base. I didn't realize we were going to go down that vein of thought, but I'm really glad we did, Elton. So kind of shooting off of that, knowing what I know about you, you know, you had this really impressive track record. You went to Robert Craig Winery back in the early 2000s. That in itself is a very romantic idea where you get to run a winery. But then also at the same time, it's a very daunting task because you're taking over a spot that wasn't living up to its potential. So you have to kind of right this ship. So if you think about what we were just speaking about around being able to communicate your message and vision, how did you use those skills to chart this really impressive course that the winery has been on ever since? Well, I think that's a, a great question. I think about, you know, my degree in philosophy where all my friends would say, Elton, that's perfect because you're such a bullshitter that philosophy is the exact right major for you. But philosophy is about very clear thinking. It's about Again, having a premise and supporting that premise with factual arguments behind it. That is why there are so many litigators that have been philosophy majors in the past. It's really the opposite of bullshit. And for me, when I started at Robert Craig, I took a look at, at the situation. You know, we, we had this great little uh, mom and pop winery, Bob and Lynn Craig, who are terrific people. Bob Craig is one of the original mountain cabernet figures in all of the Napa Valley who founded the Mount Veter Appalachian. He founded the Spring Mountain AVA and now had this gorgeous little winery on the summit of Howe Mountain. And yet they were focused on their quote unquote flagship wine that was Affinity Cabernet that was a Bordeaux blend from the valley floor where most of the wine was purchased. 
And I thought, gosh, we really need to rearrange how this brand is coming out to the public because they were struggling financially and to get their brand out uh, despite having good press reviews. And so the more they told their story of, you know, they even used to call themselves Robert Craig Wine Cellars. The very name of the brand indicated that they were negotiant, you know, buying fruit when they had this winery and their own vineyard on the top of Howe Mountain. So for me, I thought, let's get this brand settled firmly with a flagpole planted on Howe Mountain. This is in 2004 when I started with them. And then focus all of our communication, all of our marketing on telling people the actuality of what we were, which is a boutique mountain Cabernet brand. You know, over many years, it took to disengage from contracts from making, you know, an Amador County Zinfandel and two different Chardonnays from Sonoma and, you know, having purchased fruit uh, be 80% of what we do. Now we're 90% estate grown and we are firmly invested in uh, what we're doing on Howe Mountain and Mount Veter. So it was really taking a critical look and communicating what we wanted to do to the account base, to the employees, to all of the stakeholders, to the partners in the business and and going on this journey together where now the, the brand is worth 10 times what it was in 2004. And we do, you know, 10 times the revenue as we did at that time. So I think it's been a success story, but it's it's taken a lot of communicating, Errol. I mean, it's not necessarily an uncommon thing, but brands do get lost sometimes. You know, they they want to expand, they want to grow, and potentially it doesn't go down the avenue that it's supposed to. And when you don't necessarily have the narrative in mind of where you want to be, it's hard to kind of get realigned. So I think that like when you came in, you were able to see what that vision was, what that narrative should look like. And over the next you know decade and a half or more now, you've been able to align things towards that. But I mean, that does take a lot of work. It takes a lot of communication and it takes a lot of vision. So that's really impressive stuff. Now, I do want to talk about one thing about effective communication, and that's kind of like the adverse effect of miscommunication. Um, you know, I know it hasn't been smooth sailing along the way for you and never is for anybody. And as CEO, you know, you have this really big responsibility. It's not only to you, not only to the winery, but also to the employees and all the different relationships that you have when it comes to any of the stakeholders in that. So I'm curious, like from a communication standpoint, how do you navigate these dynamics? And what are some of the potential pitfalls that you not necessarily fallen into, or maybe you have fallen into, but more importantly, what did you do to regain your footing? when you do stumble into those areas and how does effective communication play into that? Man, that's a, that's a daunting question. I think that uh, over the years, it's really interesting to uh, give your employees a little quiz from time to time on what, what are the things that make your brand stand out? And I do it about every three years and I'm always amazed that sometimes even the primary stakeholders, no matter how much you put it up on the wall, will miss what the drive is of the company. I say, what are the three most important aspects of Robert Craig Winery? You know, to and then have our employees all write them down on a piece of paper and sign their name to it. And it is amazing. I mean, when I did it the first time, the number one was uh, Bob and Lynn Craig are such nice people, we're wonderful people. 
Uh, number two is we have this beautiful winery. And number three is always we make really nice wine. And I have to remind them, you know, that BMW and Mercedes made engines for the Nazi war machine. And Henry Ford was an incredible racist. Yet, look at what those companies have done. The first thing is always the quality of your product. And that is has to be the first thing that you communicate. And then if you're scratch the surface and you're a warm and friendly place, uh, that's great as well. Uh, but in communicating what you're doing as a brand, it's always number one about your point of difference in your product and your quality point, which for us is boutique mountain winery, high elevation Cabernet Sauvignon produced from single vineyards on shallow soils uh, with low yields that are classic in style. I mean, that's the elevator production story of Robert Craig. And so when I started, I think we had so much inventory of wines that were made before. You know, in the wine business, you're always on a on a three-year lag if you're doing red wines because you have almost a couple years in, in barrel than a year in bottle before release. So we had all this inventory of Central Coast Syrah and Amador County Zinfandel I had to get rid of. And our distributor network was, what are you going to do? You have to pack them with this wine and then tell them it's not that important to you. Do you really want to focus on Powell Mountain and Mount Veter and, and Affinity Cabernets? So that was also a struggle is to get through the reality of what our inventory was uh, to all of the account base, to customers. And at a certain point, you start losing your relationship capital with these people. If you're telling them, hey, I need you to pour this Central Coast Syrah by the glass, then they're like, are you guys a Howe Mountain winery? Or So it took a while uh, for me, I think, to get the stakeholders on board, which meant a complete, you know, retool of who our employees were. You know, uh, we had to let go. I needed to let go about 80% of the employees. So we had people who believed in what we were doing and could articulate what we were doing. And then you have the, the outside stakeholders who are the distributors and the, the restaurateurs and the retailers and the press that I needed to tell, hey, we're doing something different here at Robert Craig now. We're making better wines and this is who we are. So I think in the missteps, Errol, I would have probably, you know, very early on been more stringent on what was allowed to be communicated about our brand through the you know secondary stakeholders the distributors and the account base and that would have meant liquidating some inventory but we just didn't have the capital at the time to do it but I, if i could do anything in retrospect that would have probably helped us leap forward um, more quickly i hope that answered your questions i think to me that was the biggest thing is having the reality of the inventory and the reality of who we were as a brand in the mind of all these people, then wanting to quickly leap forward into what we are today, which is an allocated boutique mountain Cabernet house. There's going to be this really squishy period where things aren't going to have the structure that you wanted, but you, it's a reality that you had to deal with. And it's a matter of being able to communicate that longer term vision during this time where there's a, a little bit of a mismessage coming up because you still have to, to sell the things that you don't necessarily want to. And that's tough because I don't think there is an, a, a truly, there's not, maybe not a standardized way to deliver that message because the action isn't living up to the words that you're putting out. But if you're able to, and that's why you have to unfortunately get rid of 
some of those older employees and have the people who can envision where that's going because they understand that this is a bridge to get to where we want to start to ascend from. And that's tough. Like that's, I'm sure there were times where it was hard to message that because it's a little abstract. And, you know, the before I arrived in 2004, the brand had been around since, uh, you know, 1992. And the Craigs, Bob and Lynn felt like, hey, our point of difference is going to be that we're making Mountain Cabernet that is ready to drink on release. And Lynn, as a Stanford uh, Journalism School graduate, uh, was a great communicator. And they kept putting this message out again and again that we're making mountain cabernets that are manipulated to be softer. And people that drink mountain cabernet from the Napa Valley, they don't want soft wines. So, I mean, putting that message out was akin to, I always say it's akin to opening a, a decaf espresso bar in Portland, Oregon. You know, it was the more you tell the, the story, if you effectively communicate it, and it's not the correct vision, I think that's a great illustration of how communication, if it's done correctly with the wrong vision attached, can lead you into some real problems. And that's, you know, that's when I started with the company and said, hey, we're making very classic style mountain cabernets that are meant to age, balanced enough to drink young, but here they are what they are. And I think that was a big part of uh, moving our success forward at Robert Craig is just getting this mindset changed. It's a fun challenge and you've done a great job with it. So just to kind of begin to wrap things up, you know, for those who are listening and you, they're thinking about how can I begin to formulate a strategy to communicate better when it comes to either work or their lives or whatever it might be, what would be your advice to them so that they can start on this path? The first thing you need to do is take a hard look at how much you're writing or take a look at what you're writing. and. You know, I think of the tiny little book, The Elements of, of Style by Strunk and White, that is about 90 pages of really great instruction on how to clearly communicate ideas on paper. Because to me, if you're not facile with the English language and every time you send a text or every time you send an inner office communication or an email. I mean, I get things from, from people that I think, oh my gosh, does this person have a third grade education? And it's not being nitpicky. It's that I can't understand what the action is that they want me to perform. So I think everybody out there can take a minute and look at their command of the English language and then do the hard work of having a plan, supporting that with arguments that, you know, would lead you to say, this is the appropriate plan to take and the appropriate action strategy. So I think it's in having a, you know, doing the work to have a very clear plan, a clear vision to get the stakeholders to buy into that. You, I think you absolutely have to be a good communicator and have a great command of the language. And a lot of that comes with practice. And I know, uh, you know, Errol, I can see from your own uh, business success that, there's a clear communication of what you want to get out and what you want people to get out of this. So I say kudos to you because I've always thought that you're able to communicate what you want to do. But I think first and foremost, people should be held accountable for having a basic good command of their own damn language. I 100% agree. Whether that's popular thinking or not, it's something that should be at the foundation of what we do. And that's why we spend 
how many years in lower school and then also if you go to college and higher education on on English courses is that it allows you to create a foundation that doesn't just translate into how you speak and how you write, but also with how you organize thoughts to accomplish what you need in life. It traverses that gap that goes into business, that goes into art, that goes into anything you decide that you want to pursue. So I I appreciate you sharing that and that elements of style book. That's, I mean, that's a cornerstone for any writer um, because it does, it helps you lay guardrails around what you want to do. And without something there to help you formulate those ideas, it's really hard. So great advice. And I hope whoever's listening, take some time to do it. It's so worthwhile and you're going to grow so much if you decide to pursue that. So Elton, this has been a lot of fun. So once all this stuff settles down, I can't wait to get back out there in the Bay Area and rip up Mount Tam with you, man. You know what I'm going to do is take a quick bike ride, uh, Errol, up around the area on the dirt where we were. And then I'm heading up to Howe Mountain today uh, to celebrate the arrival of the first fruit of this absolute bitch of a harvest. But thanks, <laughs> thanks so much for having me up. If, if we survive the flames, Errol, uh, we'll be back at it on the bicycle. And I so appreciate you having me on. Most definitely, bud. And that's all we have for this episode of Success Shorts. Hopefully you found today's topic useful. And remember, have fun, stay curious, and keep it short. <music>